0: This is the Common Sense Podcast presented by Tamar. I'm your host, Tamar Weinberg, founder and CEO of Tamar, and I will be talking to people of all walks of life who have suffered adversity and overcome to rise above the ashes and now make self-care and wellness an absolute priority. Hi, everybody. Today, I am in episode 33, and it's amazing because I, and I didn't actually say this but you're my first male in the podcast. <laughs> yes, you know, I in the context of recruiting for my podcast, I have mostly focused on. I did focus on Twitter and I focused on LinkedIn before I had really an audience there because I kind of coming back out of being, you know, quiet. Um I've been trying to recruit diverse people and of course got a lot more traction in a women's running group and in a women's founders group. So Yes, you heard you heard a male laugh there. So everybody, I would like to welcome Justin Levy, an old friend. So you know he's giving a chance. All of the guys should do that too. Thank you so much, Justin, for coming.
1: Thanks for having me. It's good to see you, and uh, thanks for uh, having me as the first male.
0: Yeah, listen, I, I appreciate. I don't want to say appreciate you taking a gamble on me, but no. But <laughs> like at the same time, you know, Justin and I go way back we have literally like known each other for like you say 13 years probably not maybe 14 15 or at least you know online and then we met we've been synced up in the and i'm like looking at my camera now like it's like i'm trying we're we're looking at each other we're skyping sometimes i do it with video sometimes i don't i'm trying to like but i realize no no one's watching this because it's just strict audio but anyway um and i have gone you know we go way back uh to like a tech world my As I, you know, most people who've listened know my career trajectory is outside tech. So Justin is from my past life, but he's been an amazing, he has an amazing story, an amazing uh, trajectory. I don't know how to to say say it. So yeah, tell me, tell me, introduce yourself. Where are you? What are you doing these days? Talk about it.
1: Yeah, so to get to where I am, I guess we can dial back to kind of what's happened over the years it's been it's kind of two parts but professionally i started in social media before it was really anything called social media It had not been formed as a as a formal industry it wasn't you know every media person having twitter handles and they're you know on the bottom thirds on tv or anything of that nature And there was a small group of us across the country. I don't really know that number, but it was a small group. And I I lived in Boston at the time, and certainly Boston was one of the hot spots for social as it matured. And I started helping a friend of mine. He was actually the best man in my wedding. And one of the things that was happening with him was that he was the executive chef at this small Argentinian steakhouse, They actually go on to win Best Steakhouse in Western Mass for five years in a row. But the uh, opportunity came about for him to buy the restaurant uh, because the former owner uh, wanted to sell it off. So his father helped him buy it, but he really didn't have time to run the business side as well as focus on being the chef. He was the executive chef. He had a couple chefs that worked for him. But uh, the business side was certainly lacking and, and losing money. So I offered to come in and help him with the marketing. When I started to look at it, I just realized that there was this opportunity to try this thing called social. And this was back in the day when you had to, you know, text replies to Twitter because there was no mobile app and.
0: 4-0-4-0-4, you know, baby.
1: yes, and even you know, Twitter and and Facebook and YouTube really weren't the you know massive you know footholds that they are today. There Absolutely. was a lot. Let
0: let me interrupt you. Do you remember when? So I wrote a book on social media marketing in two thousand nine, and I remember having you like in in there and the Argentinian state cast, and I totally forgot yep. about that. That totally slipped my mind. Yep. See, Justin, and I go so far back that we forget most of these things, or I forget most of these things. I don't know if you do, but yes. So this is, this is, this is how far dated we're talking about. Social media was not really the thing, but that, that steakhouse was kick-ass.
1: Yeah. Thank you. And so with social, we began, we looked at it really three different ways. I focus on it three different ways, three or four different ways. One, like most restaurants still do. Um, all it was really was a, a PDF of the menu, right? So it wasn't, you know, updated for SEO. It wasn't focused on all the things that can drive eyeballs to it. So I hired some friends to help redesign the website, make it dynamic, make it geared towards SEO. So we did that. High quality photos, the whole nine, because what's better than you know, phenomenal steaks being cooked over a wood-fired grill. Right. You know, there's not much else. And then I started a, a, uh off-domain blog, and the reason why I did that, though it wasn't on-domain to drive the SEO quality, was because the blog, I really thought that if it was on-domain, it would give this impression that it would just be about what the specials were or, you know, anything like that. So that attracted foodies both as writers and as visitors. And then we did have, I did go out and grab the Twitter and Facebook candles for the business, but the, the main area we focused on was YouTube. And it was so that we could teach people how to do things. So one of the, you know, ideas was, you know, how to fire roast onions or, how to buy a you know a side of beef from Costco, and know how to trim it down yourself into the different cuts, and you know, as we started to do that, all of a sudden we saw saw revenue start to rise, and you know foot traffic and things of that nature start to uh, go up, and it started to attract eyeballs. So we had some media from places like Fox news and Boston globe. And, uh, also like you said, your book. And, uh, also it caught the attention of someone named Chris Brogan who just celebrated the 10th anniversary of, of his book called trust agents that he wrote with Julian Smith. Just but, being
0: present time, not like 10 years. Well, yes, yeah,
1: yes, exactly. This is present as of, uh, 2020, yeah. but, um, Back then it came out and it was one of the first books truly focused on social, digital communities, things of that nature. And it was out there along with Charlene Lee and, and some of those other
0: Yeah. Folk. My book um, was my book was dated before that though, because it was due yeah. In my, yeah, 11 years. So yeah. a little exactly. crazy, yeah, yeah. Cause my son, it so, came with my kid at <laughs> the <yeah>. same time. <laughs> Yep.
1: It seems like a lot of things were timed with your kid because I know you and Gary uh, yep. Vannerchuk also had a kid about the same time. About the um, same
0: time, yep.
1: Um, so, you know, all of this started to happen around or at once. Chris and I had a conversation one night following a long car ride uh, to and from a Jeff Pulver conference, and we talked about what the future could be for social media. Because of the launch of his book, and and he was also writing blog posts, he was publishing like three to four posts a day. He was a writing maniac. Right. And you know, his, his blog was up there uh, in the kind of top 50, top 100 type blog ranks with, you know, he would fight Seth Godin for like number two, number three, number two, number three on a daily basis. And So we talked about what social could be because the attention he was getting was having brands come out of the woodwork and want him to work with them. He wasn't in that situation because of his full-time job. So he got those owners to really bankroll him. And we launched this agency. And I was the first employee. And we had the time and had the... Kind of honored to work with big brands over a few years and those were citrix amd pepsico microsoft dell you know you name it we got to work with them and the first client was citrix eventually i would have a i had a conversation with citrix that uh, if i ever wanted to leave and come to the brand side that they would create a role for me within one of their uh, divisions That conversation happened. I came in. They created that role to lead social. A bit of time passed on. The corporate entity realized that they wanted social at a a global scale. They created a role for me, and I was promoted up out of the division. And I would grow it from not having a budget line. Um, to being a four or five person team, I had two agencies, you know, I and anything globally uh, that touched social, my team worked on. And that included the corporate blog. Somehow we obtained responsibility for the Wikipedia page because when you ask who's responsible for those things, somehow you get told it's now yours. Um, and, you know, and then I'd move on. And spend following spend that summer when I left doing some consulting, and then I went and had some time out service. Now uh, for the past uh, close to a year and a half before I left there, and am during 2020 caught in the uh, one of the worst economies we can we've seen. So um, yeah, that's been the kind of trajectory of my formal career, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah. So you want to talk about how we, well, we, we are looking to get Justin a kick ass corporate social doesn't have to be corporate social role. So he is on the market right now um, because, yes, we are COVID inflicted. Everybody is. It's a very, very difficult time. Yep. So I'm putting it out there. I hope I can. I hope you're OK with that. Yep. But you never know who's listening, and even though today is you know it's we're in July, I mean Justin is kick ass, right? He is kick ass. In fact, if you listen to his story, his this story he's about to share, you know you will know this. This is the guy you want. So I wish I could do it, but you know when you're a bootstrap startup, there's only so much I can do. I want to put I want to put all the friends everywhere, but for sure you, for sure.
1: Well, thank you. Um, so, for, and I can talk about my story in a minute, but, you know, as far as a full time gig, you know, I'm looking at, uh, well, if you look at what my skill set is, it's helping companies, be they smaller or, or certainly Fortune 500, as I've worked in, scale social media globally. Um, and I have experience across everything from, quote-unquote basic social media, the blogs, communities, governance, uh, global, you know, understanding what global means because global is not the same. Um, you know, different regions approach social media differently. So, uh, that's really where I am as far as a full-time job and, and what my experience holds. Um, but I, I have a, I have an interesting story to tell, uh, certainly whenever you want to jump into that. So,
0: okay. That, this is the, this is a, this is your life story. We're not talking about gig job here. The gig yeah. economy. All right. Uh, All right. Okay. I, so yeah. So yeah, let's talk about that. Cause yeah. So Justin, just, like I, I, like I said, you know, I've known Justin since the OG days um, for those people who are, want to know what that is, because somebody did ask me this morning, what does OG mean? It's original gangsta. Sorry, I will make sure I, you know, SEO means search engine optimization. Just, you know, for, for all the newbies and the listeners who are coming from different walks of life, including not using Google for whatever reason. Somebody tried to get my Instagram account this morning. And hey, good. it was funny. I tweeted about it. They're like, my name is Tamar too. And I'm like, uh, you know, and, and, and I had, and whatever. I said to them, you're not entitled to it. It's my name. I'm probably older than you, you know? And then they're like, you're so rude. I'm like, really? The pot calling the kettle black. And they're like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) Like, I don't know why I'm engaging. I'm like, are you 12? So like, you can use Google. She's like, I don't know what i don't know what google is so for those uh, people who don't know what google is please by all means you could always look at it look it up but no listen but i want to make sure i accommodate your anybody out there if you're like her who, who wants my username tomorrow and instagram i apologize but no i have the trademark and thus i have the entitlement and the birth certificate to to put man. on top of that too but yeah all right so let's move into your story about guess we you know obviously the common sense podcast we talk about careers we talk about um the rising above adversity and i you know like i said i've known justin for such a long time and i have seen he had faced adversity very unexpectedly and um i guess this is where he's going to share that story so go for it
1: yeah so i have certainly faced adversity my entire life and i can touch on that um after talking about what's happened most recently over the past few years, but, and that's what a lot of people who follow me or or have heard about this will know, but, uh, actually coming up on six years as of August 10th of this year, I was sitting on my couch one on Sunday night. Um, and my wife was meal prepping for the week And I had my first uh, grand mal seizure, Uh, had never had anything like that, had never been um, unhealthy uh, in any sense, you know, regularly worked out. I know you want to talk about that and uh, had my first grand mal um, seizure. Nowadays, they kind of they have started to call it or the more kind of medical term for it is tonic-clonic. Uh, Seizure, but most people know it as grand mal. The next memory I have of it, and and for me, everyone kind of experiences it differently. But for me, um, my arms came up by my side, you know, in kind of almost a 9 degree, 90 degree angle, and I couldn't talk. And with every next uh, breath I took. I couldn't talk more. I, you know, I, I tell people it's like trying to, it, like you're drowning. And I could hear our, around me, hear the periphery of my wife screaming. Um, but that was about it. I went unconscious as is fairly standard for when you have a seizure of that magnitude and the next memory I have is waking up in the back of an ambulance and uh, seeing my wife historically uh, hysterically crying and all of the lights um, outside the ambulance and police officers and uh, other medical and fire personnel. And when you come out of those type of seizures, what happens is that it takes a while, and there's these very stages for your body to return to semi-normal. Um, and so, you can't talk at first. You, you understand what's being asked of you, you know, so I, I think that one of the questions was, you know, who's the current president? And at that time, it was President Obama but I couldn't say it. I knew it, but I couldn't say it. And then, you know, I could start to mouth it. Then you could, and you know, you come back, you come out of this. And, um, as I came out of it, uh, I told the uh, paramedic that I couldn't lift my hands off of my knees or I could only lift them about six inches He told me that was kind of completely normal because it's essentially an electrical storm that happens in your brain and throughout your body. So I was transported to the hospital. When I got to the ER, I had another grand mal seizure um, when they uh, put me onto the hospital bed from the uh, ambulance's uh, stretcher. And uh, that night, I spent pretty much the entire night out of it. I'm sure it was a million and one pain medications and IVs and God knows what else happened. And, but you know, I know that I was going for scans and x-rays and MRIs and and everything to, to figure out what was going on. Uh, as you fast track that, um, they thought that my shoulders had just been dislocated. It was found uh, later that first week that I had completely destroyed my shoulders. And, um, when I say destroyed, uh, it was to the point that on Wednesday of that first week, my orthopedic surgeon had said, I'd never be able to lift weights again. And, uh, I ended up having to have two separate surgeries, one on that Friday, one on that next Monday, uh, one for each shoulder. And, um, on Friday it was to repair my right shoulder and so both shoulders i had shattered the humerus in both the rotator cuff in both i had lost uh, so much bone that they had to use donor bone along with what they call anchors and fiber wire to stitch back internally in my shoulders and then i had par- partial tears my the upper sections of my biceps uh, in both arms so i had essentially the same surgery on Friday and Monday between both shoulders, except on Monday they had to insert two screws into my left arm because of the injury was a bit more severe. Uh, I would stay in the hospital for 12 days, recovering from that, sent home, spent, you know, started a, what would be four months of physical therapy to recover my, from my shoulders. And then on September 11th of 2010, I had brain surgery. Um, My tumor was sitting on the motor skills uh, path and just in front of the speech pathways of my brain. So, um, and then a few months after that, I started a year of chemotherapy. So that's kind of the, the arc of everything. Um, of course, there's more things that have happened since then. I've had a total of seven seizures since then. I have to see a neurologist and neuro-oncologist for the rest of my life, including two uh, MRIs per year and blood tests every year, and, uh, things of that nature. And I have the, the fun of taking 10 pills a day to help keep my seizures at bay. But that's really the crux of it all. I had launched um, in what people know too, and, and were able to follow was that as it stands now, we'll see what future holds for social networks is that most people only show the popular areas of their life. You know, they don't want to show the more vulnerable. We're seeing a lot actually more vulnerable, with COVID, uh, people certainly are sharing that their significant others or, or what have you um, are sick or passed away, and, and you know um, certainly that's, that's that's we feel sorrow for them. But for from that very first night. 545 days straight to my very last day of chemo i never missed publishing something as an update it sometimes was a 25 word post sometimes it was a 15, uh, 1500 word post and um whenever i had major major surgeries or major you know uh, anything happened you know i had to have some blood work done and you know, when I had my staples out, stitches out, you know, I always took pictures and shared them so people had the updates. Um, and for the first, I don't even know, oh, month or so, all I could do to communicate was type on my phone with with my thumb, because that's the heaviest object I could lift at that time. So that's kind of the real story arc of that period of time. Uh, certainly my story of adversity goes way beyond that and backwards to growing up, but that's what most people know.
0: Okay. So first of all, I I still remember that story when you blogged about that, that first time about six years ago, I remember it like, you know, like you're, it's, it's amazing how like, I remember the details that you were, as you were sharing that I'm like, oh my God, like I had the chills because I'm like, like, like for me, it's like, I read it yesterday, like, you know, but it's obviously happened to you. It just, it just... I mean, it's, it's, it's a crazy story. I almost want to know your adversity from when you were younger. Sure. I don't know if we have enough time in the podcast for that. Cause I want to go into your, 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 what you're doing now and how you're taking care of yourself, but maybe, maybe the short version of it.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the short version is, you know, that I grew up and, and certainly people can read this and it's.
0: I think I did not, read it. I think you not, did, but I want to, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's not, not to formally plug it in. But I write about this on, build, on my blog, builtunstoppable.com. But, um, to, uh I grew up around domestic violence and in poverty, um, you know, below the poverty line. Uh, I grew up, um, as you kind of fast forward through that, uh, I lost both my parents uh, my senior year of high school. So my my dad died my uh, in October of my senior, year, and then my mom passed away in March. Um, and then, you know, certainly I got to the to the point of having my seizures. So I've I've continually, and some you know other things have happened between here and there. Um, so uh, certainly, there's been many points of my life where. Similar stories have had to come into place of choosing, you know, one path over the other
0: Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that too. I think, you know, I knew your story And I mean, but you know, just following Justin on social learning about his You know how unstoppable he is because truly you are unstoppable. Like it's an inspiration and being open. I mean, a lot of people don't get super vulnerable like I'm starting to do that as well and because I'm inspired by people like you who are sharing something that you know a lot of people don't there's there's really like people don't either people who don't understand medical stuff they're like I'm going to the hospital I'm getting a zit removed <laughs> you know all of a sudden give me a prayer and then there's other people who like will will s- share their medical stuff without giving any any context like I have a friend who literally like last month and my friend even texted me another friend of mine texted me she's like you know she's been saying pray for me pray for me pray for me I'm about to like I'm I'm a near death and all of a sudden she's like a week later she's all better like I mean, give me some like and people so my friend texted my other friend texted me, a mutual friend. She's like, What happened to this person? I'm like, I don't know, I'm not gonna ask her. But like you leave things very cryptic and then yeah. someone who gets very vulnerable and, and is like, you know, you the way you tell the story and the fact that you share that story like a really long time ago, but I still remember it, like that's humans should relate to humans. Be open about your struggles and be open about your story because I mean, well, people like you, you, almost people are like, I don't want to be defined as a story, but like, you're def- not, you're not defining yourself as a story to define yourself as somebody who had something and is built unstoppable. You know, let's talk about the present. So let it, let's, let's move into the present. I mean, you know, you're doing that. You So you just started your own. So the reason why Justin and I synced up also is because he does have his own podcast. He is starting his own. He just recently started his own thing. So hopefully in due time, I'll get there, but I'm only working with him on my side now. But um, you are unstoppable. So tell me a little bit about that and how, like you know, you were able to get back your strength to do the things that you're doing now because that is also like truly inspirational.
1: So, like, before my seizures happened and, and everything with that, you know, I've worked out for the majority of my life, um, been very dedicated to it. You know, leading up to my seizures, I, you know, exercise six days a week, I eat six meals a day, very kind of weighed out in particular. And, you know, the reason I, I see it as a kind of catch 22, sorry, with my seizures, because the reason why I hurt my shoulders so bad was because of my fitness level. And that's what I've been told by my orthopedic surgeon was because I had so much upper body strength, I actually dislocated my shoulders backwards and then just that amount of shaking on my shoulders, just, they couldn't stand it. So eventually they just shattered Uh, because most people, when they have a seizure of that magnitude, they flail or they fall and that's what causes injury my my arms came up to my sides and there's just so much pressure put on my upper body so it was catch 22 in that my fitness is what hurt me but my fitness is what helped me to recover quickly and my knowledge and and what have you so when my my doctor told me i would never be able to lift weights again you know i'm stubborn and wanted to prove him wrong so I had a knowledge about, uh, something called Spartan race. Uh, the founder's name is Joe, the Cena. at that point, it was pretty early on in Spartan races kind of history. You know, he had started it, I think a couple of years prior to that, you know, much now, you know, years it's later, it's a pretty big deal.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, and they're all over the world and, you know, have all sorts of levels that you can run. And I had set my sight on competing in one before I got the clearance to live life 12 months later. And, um, so the next one that was coming up in my area was, uh, one month before my last appointment with my doctor. And, um, so I worked out for a year to get to that point. And what my focus was on and you know, and people asked me was, you know, well, how could you do that even if your arms were in slings or what have you? And I just took a you know, I focused on always moving one step further. So if today I could run one flight of stairs at my apartment at the time, I ran one flight. Tomorrow I could walk six steps further. Walk six steps, uh, eventually moving up and up and up, right? Um, And uh, so I was able to run that race, and everything was miserable about it,
0: both from the pain.
1: And, and, uh, you know, I failed a bunch of exercises because I didn't have the upper body strength um, uh, or experience to do some of them the way that they needed to be done but i got through it and uh you know one of the things about spartan is that their tagline is you'll know when you cross the finish line second i crossed the finish line got my first medal i was hooked and i've i've completed now i don't know the number without checking i just know that i have a drawer full of t-shirts so i know that i've I've uh, accomplished a lot of them, but probably 12 or 15, including competing in 2017 in the Spartan World Championships. And um, that was at Squaw Valley out here in California where we currently live. And uh, that was 18 and a half miles, I think, of uh, with the elevation kind of rising and falling between uh, 10,000 feet. and had about 40 obstacles, including a 45 degree swim, a swim in 45 degree water. Wow. Um, it took me and a couple other people that I ran it with uh, eight and a half hours to complete. So it, it, I've done that, uh, certainly I'm back to working out you know, at full strength though I don't have full shoulder mobility so there are certain things I can't do or I can't do as heavy as I was doing pre seizures and I've also uh, since all this compete um, or part of it's not really a competition in a go rock events, and uh, go rock events are essentially paramilitary type events um, you know where you focus on fitness while you're wearing Rucksack on your back, you know, they can go from anywhere from four to 24 plus hours, and um, you know, they're all of them are done with some member, some uh, active or former member of uh, U.S. Special Forces. So, I've had the opportunity to do several of those as well. Um, so you know, you know that's, that's kind of my, my focus, focus, focus on on, on fitness, fitness and, and, where and where i was, was beforehand and where i am now um, so yeah.
0: that your, your, do you consider that your major self-care especially now um,
1: it, it it is but you know i think, I think that, that there certainly are are three main tenets to self-care and, and, and fitness is one, one. Um, and this, this is, is nothing changes about this it's been what Personal trainers and magazines have told people for forever, but it's certainly uh, fitness and you know, and being present in your workouts. But and it's healthy eating, so and healthy eating doesn't mean having to weigh out all your food and you know, not have any fat or not have any carbs or whatever the diet is that you're following, you know, it could be keto, Atkins um you know anything out there but uh it's being healthy making healthy choices so certainly i have my fair share of sweets or you know fast food or you know whatever i want occasionally but that's an occasional thing and then i have to put a, a huge focus of mine is on sleep and that's why in my weekly newsletter, you'll see at least one article around sleep that's been you know, published out there. And it's because, uh, well, you'll read all the time that six to eight hours is what we should get as a society. Most of us don't. But to hold back my seizures, I need about six, a minimum of six hours of sleep. And if I break under that, it, it greatly uh, increases the likelihood of a seizure. So uh, that's, and, and I think with sleep, it, a lot of people just think about it as crashing in their bed, you know, turn off their light and going to bed. And uh, getting proper sleep uh, goes a lot deeper than just that. It has things like blue light, you know, blue light, which is TV and phones and slowing down, you know, uh, the, activity the activity in your brain so not looking at email right before bed or you know engaging with news or anything like that um there's a lot more to it than just you know crawling up the bed and going to sleep
0: right right yeah yeah do you use any like sleeping trackers and all that stuff like the aura ring nowadays that's a big thing the whoop i'm wearing a whoop right now okay yeah.
1: Uh, I have, and I mean, it's just I don't really have a good reason for why I don't, honestly.
0: Well, you don't but, need to have a good reason why you do. I'm just like data driven. Yeah, yeah
1: <laughs> I, I don't. Um, I actually used to use my uh, Apple Watch to do it, but then I was finding that I wouldn't remember to charge it after that, and I used overnight to charge it.
0: Right. So I'll but, tell you. I just so I just got this whoop two weeks ago. And the thing is you wear 24 seven and this is actually, I'm charging it. The battery is on it right now. Yeah. You yeah. never have to take it off. The battery is on it right now. I didn't realize that cause I was trying to figure out how to un- like remove it. This thing, the, everything is waterproof. You put the battery on and then you take, it's, it slides off. So I'm going to show it to him, everybody, uh, <laughs> but you go like that and like, that's, that's, that's pretty actually, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have to do anything. The aura ring, you probably have to remember to charge it, but this thing, it, it charges in about 90 minutes. And, yeah, yeah, I know a couple cool. people that have
1: have that. Um, yeah, I
0: feel like for somebody who's like endurance training, whatever you would consider yourself, like this is for like the. I wanted to get the Aura, um, but this the the, the whoops. Even though the whoop. So if anybody's interested in this, I'm gonna deviate just for a second. The the Aura ring is a $299 ring. One one fee. That's it. You get an app. It's really cool. You get to learn about your sleeping um, skills. I've re- done some research, and I really wanted to get it but i didn't want to pay 2.99 because sometimes i know it's too sometimes it goes down the price goes down right now they have a partnership with the nfl thanks to COVID, and their pricing they they decided they're not gonna haggle on their pricing they're gonna keep it strict They said forget it and someone was like someone had said to me you should check out the whoop it's like for like you know athletes and but this but this is like a, it's a 30 dollars strap but there's an 18 dollars or 24 dollars monthly membership so it's a different it's different it's a different form factor one's on your wrist one's on your finger um, ultimately the data is relatively similar but it depends on what you prefer I happen to tell you that I would probably have preferred the ring but again I didn't want to do that I'll wait I'm, I, and I didn't want to wait on the whoop so it I'm wearing it on my right arm because I wear my garmin watch on my left arm and I will tell you the first like four days of putting it on because I'm not used to wearing anything on my right arm it was really 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 annoying but now I'm just like you know it's an extension of where I am and I don't take it off because I don't need to because I can just put the battery on it so yeah. yeah, whatever no reason to like pursue it. But at the same time, yeah. it was cool. I did like I did some extensive research. I'm like, I, I want to perf- do one over the other. Maybe I will get the aura in time. Maybe I won't. But um, this it, what it's what's cool about it is that like it knows what your recovery level is based on your yeah. sleep and like um it it like told me like last night i got three hours and 20 not last night the night before i got three hours and 29 minutes and they're like you should have gotten like seven hours and 44 minutes and like it affects your it tells you how much strain your body can take based on your like um heart rate variation um variability and i mean i don't know if i believe it because yesterday i got no sleep and i worked out more than i ever had i ran four miles and then i worked out for 45 minutes and i was dripping like crazy but um, I'm still, like, it's still trying to calibrate that stuff because I still am new to it. But that being said, I mean, it, it tells me what I could potentially cl- tolerate. And I think for, for you, I mean, just going back to it, it kind of tells you, like, how much sleep you would need based on, like, optimal performance. And a, f- a friend of mine, actually, from college, he, he's in the group, the only person I know. And he's like, I think I have COVID because his variation, like, went up, like, very, very substantially based on his, his respiratory rate, which... this is just interesting stuff but yeah i don't want to go too much on that um yeah so but i will i want i want to potentially lead lead with like one last question for you Uh um and the question is based on everything that you know in your life where you stand today where you sit today um if you could give an earlier a younger version of justin some advice what would you tell him
1: it's actually quite quite interesting interesting because because the question the last question for me in in a way um that i ask everybody is what does being built unstoppable mean to you so you're actually doing that
0: you don't want to tell me that i want to think of like that's why i always wait for that pause but yeah but
1: but it's interesting because you have the standard question as well
0: yeah Yeah, i think
1: one of the the pieces of advice that i would give an An earlier version of myself is is to stay the the course course and and to, you know, know, focus focus on on the current continuing to develop resilience resilience and, um, endurance. endurance. Uh, and the reason reason why I say that is because because grown up the way that I did, I had to have that. Right. right, But But for someone that, Maybe not had grown up the way I did. Even though that would this would have been an earlier version of myself. Uh, I truly believe in those areas. Uh, you, you have to choose the right path, and I think so. So many people are in our society have the path defined or laid out for them, and they choose the wrong path because it seems like almost the easier path so whether that's you live in poverty and you choose to go into that kind of the gang lifestyle or you are you know on a lot of drugs you know medications and you choose to become addicted to them you know i very easily could have gone down that path with uh, my pain meds coming out of my surgeries or you know i was bedridden for a long time and so i could have chosen to become 500 pounds get used to watching you know binging on tv and eating fast, eat fast food, food like i was at that point right. um, you, um, have you have to choose the right path, path. you have to have that resilience, resilience to do it you have, you to, have to build up endurance, your uh, endurance, endurance both mentally and uh, physically, physically and emotionally, emotionally. Um, um and i'd also say, say that, that you need to, need to be a voracious reader, reader of, of everything that you can, can. You know, you know, when I was, I was first, first injured, I've always, I've read my whole life, but when I was first, first injured, I wanted to understand what paths I could take to get back to, get back to life in you know, what was going, going to be the new normal, normal for, me. for me. And, you know, I didn't know if I would be able to lift heavy. I didn't know if I would have to focus on yoga. I didn't know what that was going to be, but it would be something Um, so So I read read books books like crazy crazy. and, And, you know, every every fitness fitness book I could read, read, I got my hands hands on anything that this book recommended to the, the you know, I would pick up that next next book and read it. it. Um, Um, because because those 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 were really, that was really important important to me to do. So I, I developed developed this whole baseline of information to go in whatever the next direction was, if I had to choose it. Right.
0: Cool. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm like trying to think what would I even answer to a built unstoppable question. We're just gonna have to wait. But no, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, you've gone, gone really, really far. And I mean, you've like, you've surpassed, you know, all the expectations, but you knew you had the belief. And that's why I think you like you, you completely embody that built unstoppable mindset. So Oh, thank you, you know, amazing amazing stuff and i mean i just have to say thank you it's been it's really an honor and i mean i would thank like you know justin and i we 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 ended up talking for 45 minutes before this podcast started because like you know we're it's like old friends catching up um i wish i could keep doing it is all. <laughs> but <laughs> we got out we got we got 45 minutes of this podcast so i gotta say it was it was good it was good so thank you of course, of course thank you thank you, thank you. Thank you all again for tuning in. This is your host, Tamar Weinberg of the Common Sense Podcast. Till next time.